are glad you could join us today for the Concepts of Faith broadcast. This program is dedicated to teach you how to put the Word of God to work so that it will make a positive difference in the everyday circumstances of your life. And now, here's Charles Capps. We're talking about prayer. We're teaching from my book, Releasing the Ability of God Through Prayer, and we're in the sixth chapter, and we're going to be talking about importunity and prayer. Now, this is a subject that I'm convinced that many people have misunderstood, and if you get a good understanding of this, I think you can understand the other things that Jesus taught concerning prayer. It's a problem when we perceive our, uh, let me say, if we get a preconceived idea of something that Jesus said and get it conceived wrong within us, then you see it cripples us for life in our prayer life. And I'll tell you quite frankly, many people have done that. They've gotten the idea that you're just supposed to keep on praying the same prayer over and over, and eventually God's going to hear you and God will answer your prayer because you just kept praying the same prayer. And uh, where do we get these ideas? See, we get them from misunderstanding. Someone's made the statement, the Bible is so simple. You'd have to have someone to help you misunderstand it. Well, I'm convinced that's true, but you see, we've had a lot of help down through the years to misunderstand the Bible. And not knowingly, it's because of wrong thinking and wrong teaching. And then sometimes we wasn't taught that way. It was just simply that we assume certain things, and we assume our assumption was wrong. Therefore, we ended up on the wrong road. But I want us to go, first of all, to Luke, the 11th chapter. And let's read this passage because Jesus is sharing some things here that if you get a good understanding of the principle involved here and understand accurately what Jesus is saying, it'll help you in your prayer life and understanding the rest of the things that Jesus taught concerning prayer. Let's read from verse 1, Luke 11, verse 1. It came to pass that as he was praying... In a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples to pray. Now, notice that they want Jesus to teach them to pray. They didn't say, Lord, teach us to heal the sick, teach us to do something else. They understood, evidently, that it was Jesus' prayer life, his accurate understanding of prayer, that caused the power of God to be so mightily upon his life. Verse 2, And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in heaven, so in earth. Now notice the very first thing that Jesus tells them to do is to pray, to say, Our Father, which art in heaven. And you know, you hear so many people today praying to Jesus. But the Bible doesn't teach. The New Covenant does not teach you to pray to Jesus. Now, it's all right to talk to Jesus. It's all right to fellowship with Jesus. It's all right to talk your problems over with Jesus. But when it comes to prayer, accurate prayer, Jesus said to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Now, here he doesn't mention the name of Jesus because, you see, this is an Old Testament prayer because the name of Jesus is not in it. Luke, of course, is in the New Testament, but yet it was a transition period. And uh, they were being transitioned from one covenant to another covenant. So Jesus had not died, so it was not the New Covenant 
the new covenant had not started in motion yet. But he says, Pray our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. Now that's important. It's important because several different writers here has uh, proclaimed what Jesus said. Now Luke says it a little different from what Matthew said it. Matthew said, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And here he says, In heaven, so in earth. But you see, the idea that's transferred here to us is the fact that God's will for the earth is for it to be like heaven. And the things that are happening in heaven, God wants them to happen on this earth. Then he said, Give us day by day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. Now here again, verse 4 is a little different from what uh, Matthew's account of it was. And uh, Matthew's account said, Forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And here he said, Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone that is indebted against us. Now, what you need to realize is that it's important in your prayer life to have a clear conscience before God. In fact, the Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, holding the mystery of faith in a pure conscience. Now, that is part of the mystery of faith is having a pure conscience. You could have the Word of God in you and have faith, but not be able to release that faith in any direction concerning a promise of God because you won't forgive others, because that you're not obedient to what the Word says to do. So... Jesus said, when you stand praying, forgive, or when you pray, forgive, no matter whether you're kneeling or whether you're standing, you have to forgive to have a clear conscience before God. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, if Jesus teaches his disciples to pray to be delivered from evil, then thank God it is the will of God that we be delivered from evil. There's so many people out there. Some of you may have been trapped in the same trap that believe that all the evil that comes in life was God's will for you or he wouldn't have come to you. I've heard people preach that on television. I've read books where they wrote it. You know, I didn't read much of it. When I got to that part, I usually stopped. But you see, they proclaim that whatever comes to you in life is the will of God for you. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. Now, if you believe that, it'll cripple you in your prayer life because it's just simply not true. That's religious thinking, and it comes from the old covenant where people believe that everything that happened to them came from God, and it's just simply not true. That's why Job said what he did, because he believed that everything that happened came from God. That's the reason the Old Testament's written like it is in many cases. Now, verse 5, And he said unto them, which of you shall have a friend, and shall go to him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey is coming to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Now you'll notice in the King James Version that the question mark is at the end of verse 6. The Amplified puts it at the end of verse 7. Now personally, I believe that it should be at the end of verse 7 because this is all a question. Now let's go back and read it from 5 through 7 before we stop. 
And I think you can get the idea that he's portraying here. Which of you shall have a friend, shall go to him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. Now, the reason that the question mark should go at the end of verse 7, this is the end of the question. Now, first of all, as we approach this, let's approach it with this idea in mind, that this did not happen. This is something that Jesus is portraying to them to give them an object lesson. It's not an actual event that took place. It is something that Jesus is telling them to portray a truth to them. And quite frankly, most people have misunderstood the very truth that Jesus was trying to get over to them and made so plain and so obvious to us. But because of religious thinking and preconceived ideas, we've missed it a thousand miles. Now, he says, which of you shall have a friend like this? And he starts describing what would happen and how the friend would act under a certain situation. Now, to realize and to gain and grasp the truth that Jesus is portraying here, first of all, you need to understand that this is something that Jesus is asking you as an individual, or them as an individual, and you should ask yourself this question. Would I have a friend that if I went to him at midnight, needed some bread, said a friend of mine has come in his journey, and you know, we have tuna fish, but we just don't happen to have any bread. And uh, I'd like to borrow some bread from you. Would you loan me some bread? And that friend would say, No, you ugly thing. You ought to come before I got in bed. I'm not going to get up and give you any bread. Well, now let me ask you. Would you have a friend like that? And I think you pretty well already answered the question, hadn't you? you? If you had friends like that, you wouldn't need any enemies, would you? Now, this is the thing that Jesus is trying to get over to you. No one would have a friend like that. If you had friends like that, there wouldn't be any need for enemies because you have friends like that. So, let's establish the fact that Jesus is asking the question to the people there, to the disciples, which of you would have a friend like this? Then he goes on in verse 8 and says, I say unto you, Though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. Now notice, he's not going to do it just because he's his friend. Now here's another major point that I believe that has been misunderstood, and that is the fact that God does not answer prayer on the basis of friendship. Now see, Jesus is referring here to prayer or request made. And then he is using this as an illustration to you to show you that God does not answer prayer on the basis of friendship. I appreciate so much you joining us for the Concepts of Faith broadcast today. Our offer all this week is CD offer number 7231, two CDs for $15 plus $4 postage and handling, total of $19. It's entitled, Fighting the Good Fight of Faith. Now, you know, it's important that we understand that we need to fight the fight of faith because that's the only fight that's worth getting involved in. 
And we need to know that Jesus tells us how to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil by his example on the Mount of Temptation, you remember. In Hebrews, the 10th chapter, verse 23, says, Let us hold fast the profession or confession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that is promised. Hold fast the confession of our faith. Profession, the same word, Greek word, that's translated confession, and hold fast to it. Now, if you wasn't capable of losing it, there would be no need to hold fast to it. In other words, the promise of God, what God has given us by promise, belongs to us. 2 Peter chapter 1 says, God has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How? Through the exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. But you're going to have to stay in faith to enter into those promises of God. You don't just pray a prayer and just hope to God it'll work out. No, if you pray a prayer and know that he heard you, John says, you know you have the petition that you desired of him. So it's the good fight of faith because Hebrews, the 11th chapter, tells us faith is a substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen, and without faith it's impossible to please God. So the only fight that we need to get involved in is the fight of faith, keeping the Word of God in us to where we can believe for the promise of God and pray the prayer of faith and get our prayers answered. CD offer number 7231, Fighting the Good Fight of Faith. Two CDs for $15 plus $4 postage and handling. We have a toll-free auto line, 1-877-396-9400. Until tomorrow, this is Charles Capps reminding you that the enemy is defeated. God is exalted, and Jesus is coming soon. To order the product offered today, call 1-877-396-9400 or write Charles Caps, P.O. Box 69, England, Arkansas, 72046. A complete list of CDs, books, and DVDs are available online at charlescaps.com. Through the website, you can listen to this radio program again and subscribe to our podcast. This broadcast is sponsored by Charles Camps Ministries and our listeners in this area.